want you to stand with me, and I want us to pray, but I want to give you some direction on how I believe we should pray today. <clears throat> I want to show you some verses of Scripture on the screen, and some of you will know where these came from. The book of Acts chapter number 5 and verse 28. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Acts 8 and 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Acts 8 and 8. There was great joy in that city. Acts 13 and 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of the Lord. Acts 17 and 6. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Acts 19 and 10. This continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Now how many of you remember in the last few days... We heard those verses preached here across this pulpit. How I many of you remember that? Pastor Stan Gleason was with us last Sunday morning, preached such a powerful word on the subject of multiply. And he said that the Lord had given him these verses, and I felt like it would be good for us to use these as a prayer point before I preach today, asking God to allow that to happen, that the whole city of Cabot will be filled with the joy of the Lord. That every person will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we will go everywhere preaching the word of the Lord. That we will fill Cabot with doctrine. Amen. How many of you want to see God do something unprecedented in this region of the state of Arkansas? I want it. I desire it. I wish you would just come in agreement with those verses of Scripture right now. And while you're praying over those, ask God to allow his word to take root in our hearts and find a lodging place. I need the body of Christ to help me pray right now. Will you lift your voice with me? Come on, let's pray together. Lord, our God, how great you are today. Praise God. Lord, you are doing miraculous things. You're doing good things in the kingdom right now. And I'm glad to be a part of it. Lord, we're just coming into agreement with the word of the Lord today, and I ask that you will allow us to see a filling of Cabot and this region with the doctrine of Christ. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to go everywhere preaching the word of the Lord. I pray there will be great joy in the city of Cabot, Lord. I pray that you would bring the city together to hear the word of the Lord. We agree with what the scripture says that you're going to allow there to be a turning upside down of this city for the sake of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Christ. I pray it, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone in this region will hear the word of the Lord. Every religious person, every non-religious person, Lord, every denominational believer, Lord, every person in this region will hear the word of the Lord. We pray for a multiplication revival, Lord. We pray for an outpouring of your spirit like never before, Lord. And God, we're going to thank you for that. We're going to praise you and agree with your word that it will come to pass through your people. We humbly say thank you for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom right now, Lord. What a blessing it is to be in your kingdom and in your church. 
We seal all this in prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. While you are standing, look with me at the book of Colossians chapter number one, and I will read two two verses of scripture. And uh, I believe the Lord will help us as we consider his word this morning. Colossians chapter number one, and I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version where Paul is speaking and writing rather to the church at Colossae. And he gives a very personal word when he says these words. We have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. There is a little trifecta of words in the 10th verse where Paul simply says, as you grow. Would you say those three words with me? As you grow. As you grow. It was the very strong desire of the apostle that the people to whom he would write and the people that were carved out in that church would not be stagnant, but would be a growing people. Amen. A growing people. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and thank you for following along in your Bible. I would ask for your kind attention just for the next few minutes as I uh, desire to bear my heart and share with you what I believe the Lord would give us as a focus for the year of 2023. This passage in the book of Colossians is a great prayer request from the Apostle Paul. And I will just tag on to the great Apostle's words and say it is also my prayer for every person that calls New Life Church their home church. It is my prayer for every person that would look to me as any sort of spiritual leader in their life. I want us to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. I want us to be filled with that. I want us in 2023 to know what God's word says for us, what he is speaking to us, and what his will would be for us. Paul said, I'm also praying for spiritual wisdom and understanding. I heard it said a long time ago that wisdom is knowing what to do, when to do it, and why to do it. And I'm praying that that kind of wisdom from heaven, godly wisdom, spiritual wisdom, will rest upon all of us. I'm also asking the Lord this year to allow us, everybody say us, look at someone and say it's all of us today. Allow us to lead lives that are worthy of and fully pleasing to the Lord. I don't want to give forth an uncertain sound with my life. I don't want my words to say one thing and my example to contradict. I don't want to declare through my actions in front of people one way of living and then in private live a different way. But my prayer is that we would all lead lives worthy of and fully pleasing to the Lord. Paul also said, I desire that we would Bear fruit. Everybody say bear fruit. It's an agricultural example, but it speaks of 
productivity, that our lives are not simply existing, but they are producing. I want more than anything else, first and foremost, for everybody in this church and anybody that would look to me for any sort of spiritual leadership to produce the fruit of the Spirit first. Amen. Because we can do great acts and move many mountains, but if we act like the devil, and if our attitude is short, I am asking God, starting with this guy right here, let your Holy Spirit produce in me fruit that remains. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, gentleness, goodness, all of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm also asking the Lord to allow us all to bear fruit in disciples. That we will be more than people who receive, but we will be people who make disciples. We will do more than just simply receive blessings from God, but there will be a passion and there will be a strong desire in every born-again believer in this church to reproduce yourself in somebody else. You talk about impacting every level of this local assembly when people begin to make disciples. And fourthly, along with the apostle, I am praying that God will help us to grow in our knowledge of God. That we will never graduate and say we've got it all figured out. God is an infinite God. He's a holy God. He's a God without borders and without boundaries. He is a God that wants to be understood. But I'm asking God to help us to grow in our knowledge of him. And so I believe that 2023 will be a year to grow. Everybody say a year to grow. Going back in my mind, it seems quite quite uh, astounding to me, maybe that's the best word, that it was all the way back in early 1999 when I was at a front of a church building in a, in a prayer time, and the Lord began to speak to me. He had spoke to me a few months earlier about planting a church, but he began then to unfold in prayer what he wanted the purpose of that church to be, our reason for existence. It was emphatic in early 1999, and it still is emphatic in my spirit today. The Lord spoke in my spirit and said, I want the church that you will plant to share the gospel. I want it to be a place where you do not shy away from declaring the gospel of God. I want people to hear that it takes faith, repentance, baptism, spirit infilling. It's the gospel that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. It's the same gospel that Peter preached at the day of Pentecost when people were convicted of their wrong and said, what do we have to do? It's the gospel. It's the gospel and obedience to that gospel that sets people free. Paul said it's the gospel that saves you. And so with God's help, he said, I want that church to be a church that shares the gospel. Secondly, I want it to be a place that strengthens families. Families really are the, the benchmark of a healthy church. And so in order to have a healthy church, there must be healthy families. And so with my help, the Lord said, I'll, I'll let new life be a place where families are strengthened. Dads and moms and kids and grandkids and 
marriage relationships. And perhaps there will be specialized ministry that will teach on strong families and how to be a good husband and how to order your finances and how to work through all of that. Why? Because strong families build strong churches. Thirdly, I want New Life to be a place that grows believers. I do not believe it is the will of God for any born-again believer to get to a certain place and plateau. I do not think that is God's will. I think that there is knowledge that comes, and I think there is wisdom that comes, and I think there is progress that comes in our understanding of the Lord. But I just want to help some of our new believers in this house and declare to you from a man that's been serving the Lord for a few years now, none of us have this perfected yet. None of us have it all figured out. I don't care what it looks like, none of us have God all figured out. Hopefully, we're striving and we're learning and we're pushing, and we're, we're studying, and we're praying, and we're seeking the face of God. And so with his help, we will have an evangelistic purpose of sharing the gospel, but we will also have an equipping purpose, strengthen families and grow believers. And so I believe it is very important that we as a church get in and stay in growth mode. I'm going to say that one more time. I think it is very important for us as a church to get in and stay in growth mode. Now, here's an observation from a 52-year-old guy. So some of you have lived more years than I have. Perhaps your, your understanding is similar to me. But if not, would you just take an observation from a 52-year-old guy that's been around church work for a while now. I don't have it all figured out, but I have made an observation. The older a church becomes, the more intentional we must become in making growth the priority in the church. Now, I feel like I'm going to repeat a lot of stuff just because I feel like it's good. So let me just preach to Tim Gaddy right now. The older a church becomes, the more intentional we must become in making growth the priority of the church. I'm going to just preach it into the spirit realm right now. It is not God's will, according to this book, for a church to get to the place where it turns inward and satisfies just the saved. It is not the Are there going to be ministries that help the saved? Yes. Are there going to be things that equip believers? Yes. Are we going to do them? Yes. But the mission of the church is not to turn inward, but to turn outward. And look at the harvest field that is white and ready to harvest. It's the difference between maintenance and growth maintenance and growth. I would submit to this great church that maintenance requires less major work. Maintenance is less tiring. Maintenance takes less thought. Maintenance many times can be done just by habit. Now, is maintenance necessary? Yes. It's why we have people at this church that have a maintenance thought process when it comes to this building. 
And I thank God that they do. Because somebody's got to look out for the air filters here. Somebody's got to know they're dirty and they need replacing. Somebody's got to be checking the air conditioning unit, especially before summertime. Somebody's got to be maintaining. Maintenance is so important, but growth, on the other hand, requires lots of thought. Growth requires lots of planning. Growth can be exhausting. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to show you, before I show you some pictures, I just want to emphasize this whole maintenance and growth thing. Because, again, the observation that I, I have made and continue to make is that it is easy for churches, or perhaps more easy for churches, to slip into a maintenance mode. Some of you, some of you in this room, will remember this. And then some of you will remember this. And then others of you will remember that. Now, hang on, we're going to pause the pictures just for a second. Just looking at those pictures makes me excited and makes me want to take a nap. <laughs> and then there was this, a different view. I think we got one of the front of the building. We call that the pie. I don't know if I've, ex yeah, I think I've told people that. That's called the pie. When you walk out of the church, you walk through the pie, leaving the church. It's like a slice of pie attached to the front of our church. When we were in the building of this, it was every day. It was decisions every day. My wife, decisions every single day. Pastor Larry, decisions every single day. Pastor Shane, finance team, decisions every day. What was it? It was this constant growth, preparing ground, letting red iron come up out of the ground, choosing what kind of studs we were going to have, what wall hangings we were going to have, what kind of flooring we were going to have, what kind of toilets we were going to put in the bathroom, what kind of paint to put on the walls, what kind of soundproofing. Were we going to paint the platform black up to this point or keep it at this point? Were we going to get new sound system? Were we going to get speakers? Were we going to build the clouds that are hanging over your head right now? What kind of chairs were we going to have? When, when's that carpet coming in, for goodness sake? It's exhausting. Why? It's growth. It's stretching. It's something that takes thought. It takes constant thought. But growth is necessary in the church. And I'm not just simply talking about a building right now, but I've come to just declare to this church, growth is absolutely necessary in the church. Why? Because nothing that is stunted ever prospers long term. Nothing that is put down and, and can't grow anymore ever prospers long term. Growth is absolutely necessary. Also, growth is expected. It is the New Testament pattern for believers and the church. Isaiah, long before the New Testament would be written, Isaiah the prophet prophesied of this coming Messiah and said of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. In other words, there's going to be a kingdom and there's going to be a government and there's going to be an impact from this Messiah and everything about him that's going to go on and on and on and on. It's going to increase and increase and increase. 
See, this is the pattern found in the word of God. We open up to the New Testament, which we are responsible as a New Testament church, and we find words like added. Everybody say added. Acts 2 and 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added unto them. Acts 2 and 47, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We come to words like multiplied. And I know we heard a tremendous message last Sunday about multiplication. But I will simply remind all of us that we're here. Acts 6 and 1, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying. Acts 6 and 7, then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Adding and multiplying is the pattern for the New Testament church. Growth is the pattern for the New Testament church. We come to words like increase, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but it is God who gives the increase. He told the Colossians in our text earlier in this message that the intention was for them to increase in the knowledge of God. To increase, add, multiply. Growth is the pattern for the New Testament church. Now, there really are two parts to growth. There's the personal side of growth. And there's the collective side of growth. The personal side and the collective side. The personal side is as personal as every one of us sitting here right now. If I was to say we all need to grow, that has a personal effect to it. The way I need to grow may be different than the way you need to grow in 2023. But it is a personal growth that has to happen. And then there is a collective growth that happens as a church, as the body of Christ, that he allows us to experience growth. So before we go any further, I would like you to look at someone and say it's personal and it's collective at the same time. Turn to someone around you and say it's personal and it's collective. Amen. My dear sweet mother had a philosophy and that was all things grow with love. I want you to stick your thumb up. Real quickly, I know some of you think you've got a green thumb, and some of you, you're sure you have a black thumb. Amen. Someone once wrote that the difference between an amateur gardener and a master gardener is paying attention. I've watched some people walk past plants that were screaming for water and didn't even notice. Warren Venus, a, a great author and business consultant, said this. Great leaders are first-class noticers. And I think that applies when we t talk about growth. We need to be people who notice things. First-class noticers. So when it comes to growing things, we have to pay attention. Look at your neighbor and say, pay attention. you got to pay attention. When it comes to growing things, we have to understand that there are at least three things, and that is... Uh, help a plant grow or things grow and that is it's got to be in its proper environment amen say proper environment amen it takes more than just sticking a plant in the dirt for it to grow now I know some of you that's your philosophy for plants stick it in the dirt and it's going to grow but it takes a proper environment the right kind of water and right amount of water some plants like it 
the water to be a lot, a lot of water, and some plants like it dry, like an orchid. You don't water an orchid very often. Uh, some plants like the right of you know, different kinds of soils. The acidity in the, uh, of a soil is important to a growth of a plant. Some plants like different sun exposures, like hostas or hydrangeas, need different sun exposures. Some plants need different, a different temperature range. You need to pay attention to the hardiness zone when you put a plant in the ground to make sure it works in this environment. Some plants need different kinds of spacing. How many of you have noticed people planting things that are small and cute in their flower bed, not realizing that that thing's going to get huge in a few years. You're going to have to cut it out and cut it back. So we pay attention to the proper environment. Amen. The second thing, real quickly, that we understand about growing is that things have to have sufficient pest control. Amen. There's things like aphids that want to take control. Weeds that grow in flower beds. I know some of you love those cute little furry things called a squirrel. You just, oh, they're so cute. And you actually go to the trouble of feeding those things. A few years ago... I noticed a pecan tree growing up in my yard, and I decided I was going to save it. And I, I assume it was a squirrel that planted it. And ten, ten years ago, I, I decided to save it. And so this year, for the first time in ten years, it started producing pecans. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so awesome. We're going to have pecans this year. But would you believe those nasty little critters called a squirrel ate Every single one of those pecans, not one of those that I get to enjoy. Amen. I have a pellet gun that's going to be waiting for those squirrels next year. Pest control is important. Amen. Amen. When it comes to our spiritual growth, we need to pay attention to pest control. Third thing, real quickly, is that we have to have understand the need for periodic pruning. Amen. A plant will grow limbs. And get leggy, some, and sometimes even get diseased. And some things need to be taken away so that that plant can be healthy. Amen. Sometimes we don't like it when God prunes us, but he's saying to us, I want you to be healthy. So proper environment is important. Sufficient, adequate pest control is important. And certainly uh, when we uh, do periodic pruning, it is very, very important. If we want... Plants to be productive and have beautiful flowers and uh, breathtaking foliage are awesome, delicious fruit. We have to pay attention to these things. Amen. And we need to pay attention to these kinds of things in our lives. I would like for us to just for a moment bow our heads and let's pray and ask the Lord, help me to pay attention, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now that you help us to pay attention when it comes to our spiritual lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And everybody say, that'll preach. But that'll also live. When it comes to growth, it's not haphazard. It's not just, oh, well. It's not just, hey, if we grit our teeth enough as a church, we'll grow personally and we'll grow collectively. No, thank you, Pastor Larry, for reminding us. We've got to be in the right environment. 
we got to make sure we get the pests out, all the things that are nipping it, trying to keep us from growing and keeping our desire for growth. And we got to prune, we got to take away a few things in order to let the growth of God come in our lives. So growth is personal and growth is also collective. Everybody say it's collective. See, collective growth requires that I make a personal decision that will affect the collective body. It starts personal, but it never ends personal. Everybody say, it's up to me. Now, let me preach something that is super important when it comes to growth in a church. And that is something that Pastor Gleason mentioned briefly last Sunday morning, but I feel like it is the call of the Spirit for God to take us as a church from this place that we are at right now to the next level of growth. I believe there must come a decentralization of the church being the engine for disciple-making. Some who have heard me share this before, they're saying amen. The others of you, I respect the fact you're still trying to figure out what I just said. I believe there must come a decentralization of the church being the engine for disciple making. But rather, I believe the scripture teaches that my personal passion for Jesus' commission must be the engine or the motivation for disciple-making. I don't think we can light a hot enough fire to get everybody involved in disciple-making. But I also believe that God can light a fire in people personally that rise up in 2023 and say, I don't have to have someone holding my hand I don't have to have someone cheerleading me. I've got a mission. i got a stronghold on the mission of Jesus. And I'm going to make sure that my life is not just about me, but it's reaching, it's teaching, it's going, it's sharing, and it's making a disciple of somebody else. Come on, I'm looking at people. Your example can change people's lives. Your personal story can motivate people to serve the Lord. Your example, your life, your reputation can bring people to Christ. They don't have to come and experience a great service on a Sunday. We hope they will eventually. But it starts with a personal commitment to disciple making. Now... Here's the truth behind this church in which we sit today. Personal disciple-making has built New Life Church. Yes, it has. Because before we had buildings, we had people making disciples. Personal disciple-making has built New Life Church. New Life Church is now nearly 24 years old. 
And the older a church grows, the easier it can become for the church structure or the entity itself to be the engine behind discipleship. It cannot be like that, folks. We're going to try our best to put tools in people's hands. We're going to try our best to give ideas. But when it all comes down to it, I can't motivate enough. This church can't motivate enough. But if just a few in this house, and I believe it's going to happen. I don't have a negative message today. I think God is going to light a fire inside of people in this church that say in the year of 2023 I'm taking it as my personal mission to make a disciple to reach a lost person to reach somebody and share my life with them amen share my life with them see personal disciple making must still be the heartbeat of the church and it must be the heartbeat of our church amen I've shared this story before but I have a uh, a young lady that I used to be a student pastor with her or of her in Little Rock many years ago. Her name was Ashley. And Ashley just had some, some issues with some of the things that I was teaching, not from a doctrinal heresy standpoint, anything like that, but just, it was just, and she told me later on, it was just her flesh. She wasn't wanting to step up and, and lead and, and be a disciple maker. And she just had uh, issues with that. And it's one thing if you have issues and you don't say anything. But she wasn't cut from that cloth. She had issues and she was very vocal about it. And she would come to my office and she would say, Brother Gaddy, blah, 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 blah. And she'd just start in. And, um, and so she was in my office after several times of me trying my, to be kind and listen to that. And she started in again. And I said, hang on just a second, Ashley. I said, I think that I know what you need to do. And she said, Really? I said, yeah, I think I know what you need to do. She said, well, what do I need to do about all this? She, I said, well, you need to find somebody that doesn't know Jesus. She said, okay, what do I do then? I said, well, then you need to start just spending time with them. And if they'll come, bring them to youth service. Let them sit with you in youth service. And she said, well, what else do I need to do? I said, you just need to share your life with them. And so surprisingly, she wasn't rejecting of that she said so what you're telling me is the answer to my issues is I need to find a lost person and befriend them and share my life with them is that what you're saying I said yes that's what I'm saying and surprisingly she said okay I'll try it and I watched something unfold in Ashley's life uh, she started uh, she didn't tell me at first who it was that she had become a friend at school with and for the intention, here's the thing, not just becoming a friend, but coming a friend for the intention of making a disciple. And before long, she showed up at church on a Sunday night, and she had a guest with her. And I'd never met this young lady before, and she had a guest with her. And the strangest, strangest things started to happen. I watched it happen in real time. It was marvelous. We were having service, and Ashley, who normally sat very still and stoic, and never would really demonstratively worship at all. Now she had someone sitting next to her. And I watched Ashley as the singing began. She actually opened her mouth. And she sang. The words were on the screen as she sang. I thought, wow, that's, that's an improvement. And then like a couple Sunday nights later, I watched her. And while we were in prayer, parts of the service, she actually lifted her hand. Closed her eyes. Let's pray. And I'm in my mind as a, as a pastor, I'm saying, well, we're getting somewhere now. 
And, and so over the period of time, I watched this young lady who had a lot of issues with things switch her thoughts off of herself and put them on someone that was needing Jesus. She came into my office a few weeks later after investing in this young lady and this young lady enjoying what she was experiencing in the presence of God and enjoying what she was experiencing as, as Ashley shared her life with her. And Ashley came into my office and she kind of had a sheepish little look on her face and she said, Brother Gaddy, you know you told me to start investing in a lost person. I said, yeah. She said, well, I started to do that and it's changing how I view my issues. I said, I'm realizing that it's important that I show her what being a believer is all about. And I model that for her. And I'm just going to say to this church, God is taking us somewhere. I know it's easy to say stuff like that and throw that flippantly out, but I just believe that. We've had too many prophetic words over this church. We've had too many people that have no connection to this church other than prayer to the Lord that have come through and said there's something, there's an anointing on this church. I don't say that for arrogance sake. I don't say that for pompous sake. I say we've had God speaking over this church and God declaring some things over this church and what God has spoken over your family. You're here on purpose and you're here in the plan of God and there's nothing the enemy would want to do now than to put a lid or put a cap on by turning us. But I feel a call of the Spirit at the beginning of a brand new year to rise and declare this is a year of growth. This is a year where we step out and we teach Bible studies. We're endeavoring this year in this church to teach 250 Bible studies to people, at least 250 Bible studies to people. And I believe God's going to help us to do that. I believe God's going to help us to reach people. We're endeavoring to see at least 75 people water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We're believing and we're praying and asking the Lord to Fill at least 125 with the Holy Spirit as they speak with other tongues and begin to, as the Lord fills them. And by the way, by the way, Madison, come here real quick. Come up here with Pastor. This is Madison. And just a couple weeks ago, we met and she said, I'm ready. Come on up here with Pastor on the platform. She said, I'm ready to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So while we are setting goals... Stay here with me just a minute if you would. This is for you. While we are setting goals, God is working in real time and he's helping and he's, he's, he's directing and he's ordering the steps of men and women. Can I just tell you, this wasn't mystical. This wasn't some hooky spooky thing. Brother and Sister Miller started talking to Brody, and Brody started talking to his daughter. It's not hooky-spooky. It's just people taking up the mantle of making disciples and living outside of ourselves. Madison, we're so thankful you were water baptized in the name of Jesus. Aren't you thankful for this great young lady? Give her a good hand. We love you and appreciate you, Madison. Come on, somebody. Let's rejoice right now. Let's stop and give the Lord thanks right now. God's helping us. God's putting his confirmation on this. We're going to live outside of ourselves. We're endeavoring to give over $100,000 as a church to missions this year. 
We're asking God to give us direction as a church to plant a preaching point out of this church so that the DNA of this church is not simply on Commercial Street, but it's in other communities and other areas. And we're seeing God spread the gospel around this region. I'm ready for God to do more than just touch Cabot, but to touch this entire region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're believing for that. And undergirding all of that is what I believe the Lord is calling us to, and that is a personal commitment to make disciples, to replicate our lives, to reproduce our lives in other people. I want you to stand with me, and I'm going to ask you not to move in and out right now because we're going to give opportunity for us to commit in prayer to this. Well, I believe that 2023 will be a year to grow. A year to grow. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want for your children, and I want for your grandchildren to always be in a growing church. A growing church. Growing in every metric, not just the obvious metrics, not just people in the chairs on a Sunday. Can we please, can we please graduate beyond the idea that growth is simply the seats filled on a Sunday morning? Growth is so much more than that. I pray there would be a day that we would measure growth not by the people in the seats on Sunday morning, but by the people walking out of this church and growing the kingdom outside of this church, by the people sent from this church. And we've been ascending church for years now. But I just want you to know as a pastor, that is the metric that I am praying about. Do I want good attendance on Sunday morning? Yes. Do we try to keep up with that? Yes. But that's just one metric of growth. May God help us. May God help us. May God help me this year to reach a soul, to make disciples, to teach. And just so you know that this is a biblical pursuit, I think most of you trust me in this. But for my accountability... And for your knowledge, so you know this is in the Bible. One of the last things Jesus said before he ascended into heaven was to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. So when I stand up here on Sunday morning on the 22nd day of January and I read off some goals that have numbers attached to them, please understand where those come from. Those don't come from some egotistical way that we're going to try to measure and rejoice as we go through the year. But it's, so, it's not so we can pat ourselves on the back. It's so we can be in agreement with the great mission of Christ to go that's why we give, with the Lord's help, over 100,000 emissions this year. Yes. To baptize. That's why we want to see those waters of baptism troubled often. 
both water and spirit baptism. That's why we teach Bible studies. It's not so that we don't have, we don't have anything else we, we can do, so we're just going to teach a Bible study. No, it's the commission. It's the mission of Christ. And if that is what produced a church where all of Asia heard the gospel in the space of two years, I'm just believing God can let it happen again. Let me just ask a simple question before we respond in prayer. How many of you, just, just quickly, there's not a trick question, but how many of you can see in your mind right now how just catching a hold of making a disciple could rock this church? Keep your hands up just for a second. Just keep your hands up for a second. Can I just tell you something? Look, look right here. Just keep your hand up. Thank you. I, I know. I'll let you put it down in a second. If we just use the metric that we're in right now, just seats filled on a Sunday morning, I want you to look around at the number of people with their hands in the air. Brothers and sisters, we'd have to add another service. Oh, don't put your hands down now. <laughs> now you can put them down. It answers the question of volunteers. It answers the question of leadership. It answers the question, question of feeling like you're a success in the kingdom of God. There's nothing like investing your life in somebody else. There's nothing like it in all of the world. I'm praying God will let a disciple-making spirit come upon us all. Here's what I'm asking for. Very simple, very simple. If you are here and through this preaching today, through what the Lord is just speaking to you in this moment, you feel a connection with the challenge to do your very best to make some disciples this year. You would want to just signify that and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm in this with this church. At whatever level you are, wherever you are, you don't have to be what you would consider to be a super spiritual person, but there's something inside of you that has connected with this mission. If that's you and you just want to signify and say, I'm going to commit this to God in prayer and I'm going to actually step out and say, yes, I'm on board with this and I'll, I'll do my very best. I want you to quickly step out from where you are and I want you to come and just stand up here just quickly. We're going to pray and then we're going to be dismissed to go home. Make a disciple. I'm going to make a disciple. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God, you see every person that's stepping out right now. God, you see every person that's, that's here. You see all of us. You see where we are. You see what brought us to where we're at today. Lord, in many people in this room, you put the Spirit of the Lord inside of them. That's our, that's our engine, Lord. That's our... That's our catalyst, Lord. It's not a program of a church. It's not a promotion of a church. We can't promote it good enough. 
God, but let it get in our spirit. Let it get in our spirit, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We commit every conversation into your hand right now, God. We commit every creative idea into your hand right now. We commit every action into your hand right now, Lord. We're going to be disciple makers with intention. We're going to grow spiritually so we can help others grow spiritually, Lord. It's all going to be for your glory. It's all going to be for your honor. We're going to do our best to live out your mission in 2023, Lord. I pray it in Jesus' name. I pray it in Jesus' name.